want to say good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. want to encourage you now, grab your Bibles, open them or turn them to Proverbs chapter 6 this morning. As we continue our series on stewardship, entitled, We Are Blessed to Be a Blessing. And just a quick recap from last week, we said that this is much more than about money. This is about our heart, because stewardship is about lordship. It's about who is in control of my life. It's about who am I going to live for, and what is the most important thing to me. Now, as we begin to look at this scripture, let me ask you a question. How many of you here, when you think of the wisest animal, how many of you think of an ant? Okay. How many of you, when you think of the strongest animal, think of an ant? None of us. But you know what? The reality is that an ant can lift up to 20 times its own body weight, making it one of the, if not the strongest animal. But there's something else really, really cool uh, about ants, and it is this, that what they do is not just for themselves, but they work hard and they are a blessing for the entire colony. They see their life as a small part of the bigger picture. And this is why Solomon is going to praise the ant as a wise creature. And so we want to look at it together in a message entitled, Save Wisely. The one big thing today is this, that saving is not only good for later, but it allows us to be generous now. So let's look at it together. Proverbs chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 6. And if you can, would you stand to honor the reading of God's word? It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Which having no God, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We praise you for the opportunity, God, just to worship you. And Father, we thank you that you have given us your word that as we study it and as we depend on your Holy Spirit, you will guide us into all truth. And so, God, may we have ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, saving is not only good for later, but it allows us to be generous now. And this is the whole purpose of this month, of seeing everything we have as a blessing from God, meant to be used to glorify him, and to spread the gospel further. So Solomon gives two reasons that the ant is considered wise. The first one is found in verse 7, and it is this, that they do what they have to without being told. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, the first 11 verses specifically, Solomon is talking to his son, and he's giving him some very practical advice. Things like, don't be lazy. Don't go into debt. Be diligent enough to... Uh, save in good times so that you'll be prepared for difficult times. Now, if you notice there in verse 6, he calls his son 
a sluggard or a, a lazy person. And this kind of led the, the guys uh, that we were studying this passage together, we kind of thought, you know what, maybe Solomon's son was a teenager at the time that he wrote it. Because we all know the, the reputation of most, not all, but most teenagers, right? They like to get up at the crack of noon. All right, so Solomon's advice to his son is don't be lazy. Be diligent in what you do. We'll, we'll sum up the first 11 verses this way. A lazy person goes into debt because they were not diligent, and the result is they fall into poverty. And we're going to unpack this all morning long, but a lazy person goes into debt because they were not diligent to prepare, and the result is poverty strikes them. Now, as we look here in verse 7, he says, which having no God, overseer, or ruler. This is Solomon telling his son, you are responsible for the decisions you make. All right, another word, a word that we're going to use to summarize verse 7 is this, accountable. Every person here is accountable for the decisions they make. And this is Solomon's wisdom to his son. You know, parents, you can teach your children. You can model for your children. But ultimately, your children have to make the decision to do it themselves, right? You know, one of the hardest things for a parent, watch their child fail. But can I tell you something? That's also one of the most loving things we as parents can do for our children. Because if we keep bailing them out, then they never learn to stop the actions that they are taking that are getting them in trouble to begin with. And this is why we have such an entitled society that is up to their eyeballs in debt. Because mom and dad come to the rescue every time Junior gets in trouble. But here's the thing. It doesn't stop there because Junior grows up. And he or she continues to make the same poor decisions with no accountability and thinking, well, hey, if I mess up, somebody else will come and bail me out. And unfortunately, because we are living in a society that doesn't want to hold anybody accountable, that everybody's a victim, guess what? We have created a government that is more than willing to pay for everything for you. And take care of you. And it sounds good at the outset, but is the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches us. The spiritual application of this is very simple. Church, we are accountable for everything we do. We will all stand before God on a day, and we will give an account for our life. And I'm not going to give an account for you, and you're not going to give an account for me. You and I will give an account For the things that we have said, the things that we have done, and the things that we have thought. And God is a righteous judge. He will not look the other way. He will not think it's cute. He will judge in righteousness and in truth. So we've got to learn that we are accountable for how we use what God has blessed us with. There's a parable in the Gospels that talks about that a certain person gave talents to people. One got five, one got two, and another one got one. And when the landowner came back, each of these servants had to give an account 
for what they did with it. And so I would ask this question, how are you doing with what God has entrusted to you? Without looking around, without getting jealous and and judging, well, that's not fair, they've got more than, than I've got. Without doing that, how are you doing at managing what God has given you? With the understanding that we're going to be accountable for him. Then the second part, the second reason that Solomon says that the ant is wise is this. They diligently plan. They prepare for winter in the summer. Solomon says that the ant plans for what they know is coming. You know, right now, it's in the 90s. It's about 80% humidity. It's pretty rough. However, give it just a few short months... And it's going to be about 20 degrees and snowing. Okay? The, the thing about living in Virginia is you can experience all four seasons within a week. Okay? Especially when you get to spring and, and fall. And, and so we know right now it's summertime, but winter's coming. And, and so the, the biblical advice here is to be diligent to, pre- to prepare in the good times for when the bad times are coming. And there are certain things that we absolutely know are going to come. You know, the older we get, the more we have to go to a doctor. So we know doctors' bills are going to be there. All right, if you have children, one of these days they're going to graduate high school, and they're either going to college or a trade school. All right, you probably want to start saving for that uh, before they're born, not when they're 16. You know, even if you don't have children... All right, you want to retire, right? Well, you don't want to wake up at 61 years old and go, you know what, by this time next year, I want to be retired. I guess I better start saving. It's going to be a little late. You you might be able to retire by that point at 161. Not at 62. And, And so it's diligence in preparation. Now, some of you are going, okay, yeah, so there are things that I know are coming up and I ought to be prepared for those. But what about those things that just happen? How many of you have ever had something happen that you didn't expect? Okay. Is there any way from a financial standpoint you could be prepared for those things before it happens? Now, we often go, well, no, because I didn't know it was going to happen. But you know something's going to happen, right? Like a washing machine's not going to last forever. A car isn't going to last forever. Retirement's coming. So, so you know things are coming, and we need to be diligent to prepare for these things. I'm going to borrow the slogan from the urgent care around here. When you're trying to decide, should I go to the emergency room or can I go to the urgent care? The urgent care says, for urgencies that aren't emergencies. In other words, if you are not in danger of losing your life or your limb, go to an urgent care. If you're going to lose your life or your limb, probably need to just go on to the hospital. Go to the emergency room. All right? The reality is this. We know something's going to happen. Like, the reality is something's going to break. We're going to have to replace it. And so what we do is we are diligent to recognize God has blessed me with this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to save a little bit now. I'm going to put a little bit back. I'm going to get an emergency fund in place. 
So that when that thing breaks, when something goes wrong, guess what? Now I don't have to go in debt. Now I don't have to blow up my budget because I can go, hey, I've got that emergency fund. So it's not really fun that the washing machine went out, but that's okay because we've got this. And my budget that you have prayerfully put together is still intact because this is what happens. Let's say we aren't being diligent to save. We're not being wise like the ant. And something goes wrong. Something breaks. Something has to be replaced. Do we stop going out to eat? Now you go, but I got to eat. Okay, fine. When an emergency comes up that that is going to threaten to mess up the the budget, is the first thing you cut, is it your cable or, or some other thing that you really don't need? Do, do you stop going to the convenience store and getting those drinks and those snacks? Do you stop standing in the line there at Kroger and getting those impulse buys? No. Nine times out of ten, what happens when a financial crisis comes up that we weren't prepared for? We either cut or we reduce what we give to God. And when we do this, church, let me explain what we are saying with how we're living. We are saying, my happiness is more important than sharing the gospel with the lost. That's what we're saying. When I don't make other cuts first, I am saying, my happiness is more important than a, trying to put the gospel in front of a lost person. It also is revealing that we don't trust God. It shows our priorities are messed up. And we see this over and over and over. That we get caught up in these emergencies Because we are just living for the here and the now. We don't recognize that eternity is more important than the here and the now. And then we end up robbing God of his glory. We end up robbing someone else out of a blessing. And we rob ourselves out of a blessing because God used us. See, secular psychologists are finally catching up to the Bible. They, they've done all these multi-million dollar studies, and here's what they came up with. That the happiest people in the world are not those who have everything, but they are the ones who give everything. You know, I, we could have saved them millions of dollars if we would have just pointed them to the scriptures that said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't you love it when science catches up to the scripture? But we are so ingrained to live here and now that we never prepare for the winter. And we get caught financially unprepared. And it reveals a lack of faith and trust in God. By the way, I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night if you can, 645, because we're going to talk about how budgeting and preparing and all of those things, how they come straight out of Scripture. 
Okay, we're, we're even going to talk about how you can do with one less soda or one less candy bar a week and make a big impact for the kingdom of God. So I don't want to go too much further than that other than to say, I hope you'll join us at 645 on Wednesday. Because here's the thing, church. This isn't about your money. This is about your heart. This is about who are you living for. This is about what is the most important thing to you. Why is saving a, or how is saving a biblical thing? I'm, I'm glad you asked. That's a good question. Let me answer it for you, can I? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Jesus is saying, don't live for the things of this world. Invest your life, your time, your talents, and your treasures. Invest them in the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because at the very end of that chapter, Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is going to take care of your basic needs. But you and I have to intentionally, diligently Pursue him. See, some of you are going, I need to get my financial house in order. I need to get my schedule under control. Can I tell you this? All right, from from the authority of the word of God, that is impossible until you give your heart and full control of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in our sin, we have pride. And our pride says it's all about me. And it's all about here and now. And we live for the here and the now. But when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we give him not only our heart, but full control of our life, he reorients how we think. He reorients how we live and think and what we do. And so the first step, in life together is to realize you can't get your life together. Only Jesus Christ can do that. This is why that this is a heart issue and not a money issue. Now, even in going through this, I can already hear, just like last week, I can already hear the objections that are going in your mind. So can I address a couple of them just very quickly? The first objection would be this. Most of you are going, that sounds great, but I live paycheck to paycheck. I hear you on it. I understand it. But I have to ask a question. Is this how God designed us to live? Is this what God desires for us? I'm going to give you two reasons why I believe it's not. The first one is this. When we live paycheck to paycheck, we are misprioritizing our resources. You know, if you're too busy to get up and spend time with the Lord in prayer and study, if you're too busy to make corporate worship a priority every week, if you're too busy to serve in the church in some capacity, frankly, you're too busy. The other side of it is this. If I can't afford to be generous then there's a good chance I'm living 
in a way that doesn't glorify God. Rather, it's all about me. See, everything that we have has come from God. And it is to be used for God's glory and for the good of other people. We said this last week. We need to live, learn to live open-handed. Everything that God gives, he can take away. Or he can use it as a blessing to other people. And I want to take a, a quick moment and say thank you. I, I don't want to miss this. Because last week we talked about the Christmas tree out in the foyer and there's the ornaments on there. And I got to tell you, there's been an overwhelming response already to people grabbing those ornaments. A lot of you even brought it back. I want to encourage you, keep doing it. Not for me, but so that we learn to trust God even more. And that we learn, that we prove that as I seek him first, he's going to take care of me. We're going to keep doing it all throughout the month of July. But again, I don't, I don't want to miss this opportunity to say thank you. Because I know sometimes money's tight. And there's all sorts of other things that, that are vying for our time and our money and our attention. But if we're going to be godly men and women, we have to make God's priorities our priorities. The second reason that most families live paycheck to paycheck, first they misprioritize, the second is this, they mismanage what God has given them. In other words, they're living above their means. Now, we're going to come back to this, Lord willing, next week. But because of the fall, all the way back in Genesis 3, we are all born with a sin nature. And in that sin nature, it is hardwired into us to live for me, myself, and I. And part of that is our pride, because again, a pride says life is about me. And a cousin to pride is the word coveting. And you see it all throughout Scripture. Now, what does it mean to covet? It is to have a strong desire for something that God has not given you, that someone else has that you believe you need, but you don't. It's a strong desire for something that God has not given you, that somebody else has that you think you need, but you don't. That neighbor gets a 2017 car. I got to get 2018. They, they come home with a 55-inch HD TV. Oh, no, 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 I can't be outdone. I got to get a 60-inch 4K Ultra HD TV. By the way, black and white TVs with bunny ears show the same stuff that our nice HD TV show. And if we're really honest, 95% of what we're watching on said TV, we ought not be watching because it defames and defiles Scripture. That's another sermon for another Sunday. I won't keep rolling. But we mismanage it, again, because we want to spend it on me. But your life isn't about you. For we were created by God and for God. We have to manage everything God gives us in a way that points people to him and deepens my dependence 
on him. So we think we need or deserve something because somebody else has it. And so we mismanage. But the second objection, the second thing that happens so often is this, that we are living for today. You know, our culture reinforces that. They reinforce that life is all about us, that we should do whatever it makes us happy. Every single day you are bombarded with somewhere between 1,000 to 3,000 messages that say it's all about you. By the way, we don't need a whole lot of prodding to believe that. Let me give you proof of this. Parents, did you have to teach your beautiful, loving, sweet two-year-old how to throw a temper tantrum? Did you have to teach your child how to not want to share their toys? Why? Because it comes natural. That is factory standard equipment because of the fall. But God has done something different. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. In other words, God has wired us to want to live for someone and to live for something bigger than us. That's why we feel happier when we give to others. Because that is how God has wired us. Remember we talked about in the opening how the ant does what they do, not just so they survive, but for the betterment of the entire colony well that is how you and i as christians are to live we are to not live for ourselves but to live for the kingdom of god and for the expansion of the kingdom and when we do that when i manage what god gives me in that way i am full of joy my faith is strengthened and god uses me to draw others to himself This is why it is so important. Sin misorders our life. And only God can reorder it. Money and time are amoral. What does that mean? It means they're neither good or bad. It's how you and I manage it that makes it good or bad. And it's one of the reasons why money and time can become such tremendous idols in our life. Now, how do I know if they are? Well, let me ask something. If you were to look at the majority of the resources God has given you, are you spending them on you or using them for the glory of God and the expansion of the kingdom of God? See, when we manage it for us, it's idolatry. What about our schedule? Is there something that we would rather do than spend time with God every day? Is there something more important in my life that would keep me from regularly fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Then our schedule is an idol. Both our money and our time run our lives because we have forsaken the call of God to manage them. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 when God puts Adam into the garden. He says, I want you to dress it, cultivate it. I want you to 
manage it. God has called every one of us to manage everything He gives us for His glory and the good of others. So if you feel like we're always running out of money and like there's more things to do in the day than you have time for, the reality is you are not managing God's resources God's way. And that's something to confess and repent of because it is a sin. It's idolatry. But why does any of this matter? I want to give you three quick things. The first one I would say is this. Parents, teach your children about biblical stewardship. If I could add something to that, it would be this. Do it early and do it often. But we want to go beyond just stewardship. Parents, your children ought to see you praying. They ought to see you reading scripture. Better yet, they ought to hear you praying over them, and we ought to be reading with them. Because children will imitate what they see far more than they will imitate what they hear. If all you and I do is tell them, by and large part, they're going to fail. Because people remember about 10% of what they hear. So the grand scheme of things, I'm going to preach for about 40 minutes-ish. You are going to remember about four minutes of what you hear. Can we just be honest? That's not enough. Like, we, we got to do something different. But when they hear it, and when they see it, the number goes astronomically higher. They retain more, so we teach them, but we also model it. From a stewardship standpoint, let your children see you make a budget. Let them see you pay bills. Walk them through the decision of going, hey, there are two really good things that, that we're looking at. we got to get one of them. Let them understand why you're choosing this instead of that. Teach them how to make value judgments not based on appearances or likes, but based on Scripture. Teach them to make decisions that will maximize their ability to participate in expanding the kingdom of God. Don't give them everything. And tell them, I'm not giving this to you, not because I'm mad at you, not because I don't want to give it to you, but because I want to invest what God has given us as a family for the work of the kingdom, for the expansion of the kingdom, to sharing the gospel. That's how we raise gospel-centered, kingdom-driven kids. We teach it and we model it ourselves. So teach them early and often about it. The second thing I would say is this. Make a plan. This is something you could do today. Okay? If you're not presently operating on a budget. Okay? I want to encourage you to start it. Now, not just with your finances, with your time. Every person here has 24 hours in a day. 
How are you going to spend the rest of this 24 hours? How are you going to spend tomorrow's 24 hours? Make that plan. Why? Because we're accountable. The reality is this. I need to be diligent in everything I do. Because one day, I'm not going to be here anymore. Why is saving wisely so important? Because it is planning your life around the reality that you're not going to be here every day, all the time. See, every one of us in this room, one of these days we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for how we have spent our life and how we used what God gave us. And so as I teach my children, as I make a plan for how I'm going to live my life, I want it to reflect the biblical values and the understanding that I need to prepare for the day that I'm no longer here. Now I pray that I don't have to do any of your funerals anytime this week. But I can't, I can't promise that I won't. And you can't promise that you wouldn't have to visit the funeral home if I died this week. That's why Moses says, teach us to number our days. Psalm 90. We have to realize that everything I've got, including my life, is here only for a short time. Am I investing it in the eternal things? Or am I wasting it on the here and now? Make a plan. Sit down. Ask Questions such as, Lord, am I your child? God, have I given you complete control of my life? Is there something, God, you're wanting to change? Because I'm not being diligent. I'm mismanaging or misprioritizing. I don't want you to do it because, well, Pastor Justin said we should not. No. This is about being obedient to the will of God. This is about seeing my life as an investment for the glory of God, the kingdom of God. And everything I got, make a plan. And then finally, work the plan. See, a plan is only as good as the execution of the plan. I heard somebody uh, say one time uh, in meetings, there's more said than done. You know, when it's all said and done, there's more said than done. Have you ever been in one of those meetings? You're talking, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, and then nothing changes. Are you like that? See, it's possible for you to be sitting here this morning and agreeing with everything that's being said, seeing the biblical value in it, the biblical truth in it. But if you do not take what God has given us and begin to immediately applying it, then you're in the same category as the person who's not even here hearing this. That's why the Great Commission says, make, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, that is, teaching them to do all things that I've commanded you. This is about obedience. If God has revealed it, we have a responsibility to obey it. So let me just ask on this basis. Are you obedient with your life? 
Have you given your life the full control to Jesus Christ? Are you managing what God has given you for his glory and for the kingdom of God? If not, then we need to spend time confessing that and repenting of it. We need to allow God to reorder our life this week so that we invest in things that matter. Would you stand with me as we're going to pray together? Father, as we close out uh, this worship service, we thank you for the opportunity of just opening your word and seeing the truth. How you said that the ant is wise because it focuses on the good of others and that they diligently plan for the good of others. So, Father, that's the question before us, are we? We were created by you and for you. You are the one who rightly deserves full control of our life. The question is, have we given it? And you have blessed us beyond all measure. Not so that we can spend it on ourselves, but so that we can invest it in a wise way for people to hear the gospel and to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so are we. Our Father, there are some decisions that we need to make. Some choices that won't feel easy because in our sin nature we want to rebel against your word. More than money, how are we investing our time? Are we doing the things so that the gospel will go further? Or are we wasting our life? Lord God, as, as we'll sing a song, Greater You, Lord, let it not just be words that we sing. But Father, may our life reflect that. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's invitation is Greater You, Lord, and it's going to be up in just a moment. And it's a very simple question. Are you using everything God's given you to glorify Him? Are there some things you need to lay down? The altar is open. You can come and pray. Pray at the pew. I'll pray with you. You can pray where you are. But let's make sure that we are giving God what's rightfully His.